Spoiler alert, you'll hear me say often, be where your feet are, with one exception. Over the past few years, there's five words that have probably tested my feet and my head if I get another shot. And as a coach, you prepare for it, you study for it, and there's some lessons that you can't study for. There's lessons that you just have to live. And sometimes through success and sometimes also through adversity. But once you learn those lessons, all you want to do is grab them and run and prove it. So let me tell you, I am ready to run and prove it. Run like hell. Welcome to the DC Sports Huddle. I am Rob Woodfork, and there is nothing I enjoy more than doing hard with you two fine gentlemen. Are we allowed to say that? Yeah. I'm bleeping it out. It's fine. Okay. Uh, George Wallace and Dave Preston alongside. Uh, George was in Ashburn for the Dan Quinn press conference, which, quite frankly, he nailed out of the park. I mean, as far as opening uh, introductory press conferences are concerned, that was a very good one. There were no kneecaps biting. There was no weird eye gestures. And so um, it was uh, – I think it was a home run. What did you think, George? Or Dave? I'm going to say it was not a home run. <laughs> not going to say it was a home run because it was a that's touchdown. a touchdown. It was a 75 yard touchdown run, off okay. tackle play, boom, just, just seal scorching here seal the here. secondary. You're just like, oh gosh, that's, you know, <laughs> nobody came within a country mile of them. And this is, hey, we've seen coaches lose press conferences oh, in. Yeah. Ashburn before we've mm-hmm. seen owners say happy Thanksgiving when it's not Thanksgiving we've heard maroon and black we've heard a lot of different things we've been underwhelmed by coaching hires over the years we've been shocked by coaching hires over the years and I, I think this is as big a coaching hire uh, you can't get much more excited about this hire than you could since maybe the Joe Gibbs 2.0 hire and that was the silver bullet from the previous regime this feels like a good hire. For all we know, this team goes 5-12 and 12, three straight years, and everybody gets <laughs> washed out. But right now I'm going to give this ownership group, this front office, and this coaching staff with two really, you know, with two coordinators who look like they know what they're doing, you know, the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and we're going to get to the offensive coordinator hire in particular, uh, Cliff Kingsbury. But, uh, George Wallace, you're in – Uh, impressions of Quinn at the press conference. I was very impressed. I think you can tell he was really fired up to be there. You could tell he's really appreciative of a second chance and that he said multiple times that if he ever got a second chance, he wasn't going to just run it back with what he did in Atlanta. He did a whole teardown, self-evaluation, went on to become a defensive coordinator again and realized the mistakes he made, and then he's not going to try not to make them Again, and I think that was very uh, evident yesterday during his remarks uh, that he was um, – he sounded like he really, really wanted this job. And it was funny. He kept, said he kept checking his phone to see when he's going to call. <laughs> and then Adam Peters said, well, he didn't pick up when I called him again. Right. So, you know, he, yeah. he didn't he, – he flushed me the first time or something. But um, you can tell – and also that, that he said multiple times with his aligned vision with Peters and – it's not just about X's and O's. It's about the kind of player that they want, too. So it sounds like they are in lockstep right now and and what they're looking for. And Josh Harris has basically said, look, now it's their turn to go to work. And I'm turning it over to them. And that's what you want to hear from an owner. That was actually my biggest takeaway from that press conference. And that's what I wrote my column on WTOP.com about how this Quinn hire. And I said in the last episode, it feels uninspired. 
And I'm not necessarily backing off that. Mm -hmm. But after listening to him, you know, the most important aspect of this second chance for him is that he's not taking for granted. And I believe Dave made the point in our last episode that you juxtaposition him against Rivera, who came here and tried to run it back with a lot of Carolina people, people that he had with the Panthers. You don't see that with Dan Quinn. He sees Atlanta not as this bad break where I just need a second opportunity for it to go a better way. It was, what did I do wrong? What did I do right? He sought outside help. He didn't just sit there in a corner and think about it. He sought outside counsel as to what I could do to be better in my second go-round. And so any coach that comes into a second opportunity has to have that level of humility, has to have that level of Mm self-awareness, and he exhibited all that, not just in that press conference, but with his actions leading up to this second opportunity. And you could make the case that the best thing that happened to him in Atlanta was losing his job after five games. Right. Because unlike Ron Rivera, who lost his job in December and had maybe a month to let the dust settle before getting a new job, he had a whole 12 12 weeks of a season to sit and collect his paychecks and say, oh, gosh, what did I do wrong here? What did I do wrong there? A lot of chance before he even had another job. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, he was in Dallas for three years as well. He didn't jump right into another head coaching job. Exactly. But for a while, he was doing nothing outside of cleaning his office, maybe going through (laughs) stuff saying, wow, hey, here's the game plan for this game. You know what? I could have done this, could have done that. And I think that that's very important for him coming in here. And when people compare him, Ron Rivera 2.0, what have you, why he's not Ron Rivera 2.0 is the amount of time he has had between head coaching gigs Mm -hmm. where he's just not, it's not as though he's just getting off one bicycle and hopping on another. He's had a chance to see the gears work. He's had a chance to fix the brakes, had a chance to improve his own balance. And I think that's going to help him be more of a success here than Ron Rivera was. There are other reasons, too. The fact that he's in a certain lane. He's not coordinating the offense and defense while trying to be the head coach. He's not running the front office while trying to be the head coach. He's just trying to be the head coach. So that's the second reason why I think he's going to be a better fit than Ron Rivera was for his tenure here. But the first one is the fact that he's just probably got more clarity on what worked well and what wor- what didn't work in his previous uh, run as a head coach. Yeah, Rivera was only out, what, two months? If that. Not even. Not even. I mean, months. yeah, he was fired, yeah. I think, to his point. He was fired in December. It was after 12, 13 games, I believe. I think so. I it think was he right was. right after a loss to yeah. Washington Thank- at home. Oh, thanks. That's what Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. I want yeah. to say he was fired in December, and then he got the job on Thanksgiving. But that no, that yeah. no, that, no, that's that's the owner's calendar. But right, that's that's my point entirely. Is that Ron didn't even have a chance to exhale yep. mm-hmm. before coming here, and he probably could have done himself a favor by sitting out a year. But he's at a he was at a point in his career where deep into his fifties and being a minority as a head coach in the NFL, some guys are forced to take jobs that they'd rather not take because they don't know if they sit out, all of a sudden they're Byron Leftwich. And no one is mentioning his name for any job. So it's unfortunate that Ron felt the need that he had to take maybe the first job that was available instead of parsing around for other opportunities or, heaven forbid, sitting out or taking a coordinator's job. But along those lines, 
Dan Quinn benefited by getting fired early in that season. He had a chance to sit around, look at other jobs, evaluate. He had three months of evaluating other defensive coordinator jobs and what openings there might be, as opposed to Ron, who had maybe three or four weeks. Yeah. And uh, and some of these jobs that open up, you're surprised with. So. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, he was in the middle of kicking a lot of butt as mm. a defensive coordinator, yeah. too, because, yeah. I mean, it's not a coincidence. Dallas had uh, three straight 12-win seasons with him at the helm. Uh, we're going to run a couple of cuts from the Quinn press conference just to highlight the point so you can get his words directly. I loved how he described what his teams mm-hmm. are going to be. Explosive and physical. And the explosive comes offensively uh, and on the return game from big plays uh, through the run game, through play action, through the passing game, ones that can change field position. And those are the explosive plays that you have to keep going and being aggressive to go. Uh, On defense, that's the energy generating football that takes place on an interception, on a score for, you know, returning on defense, a forced fumble, the sacks, the ones that create negative plays for an offense to put them in some disadvantaged situations like we like playing from second and 12 and 13 and third and longer. So how do you do that? You've got to be bold. You've got to be aggressive. Having the players to do that, that's part of what we do and then train them to do it over and over and over again. Explosive and physical. Those are two very good words to be in football, right? That's what you want to – and some of it is rah-rah. Some of it is to get the fans on board who were very tepid about Mm -hmm. this hire. But to that point, I mean, that's what you're looking for. In today's NFL, your offense has to be explosive. Otherwise, you're not in the Super Bowl conversation, and you better be physical. The 49ers, who are in the Super Bowl now, that's a team that – what was it? In 2022 – there was this crazy stat that teams that played the 49ers right. always lost their games the following week. Really? Something, the 49ers, they will take stuff out of you. Interesting. You can't win your next game yeah. after you play these guys. That's how physical they That's are. That's a pretty good stat. That is exactly what Washington needs to implement. And, of course, Quinn and Shanahan, they had ties. Uh, Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for Quinn when they went to the Super Bowl and uh, and had that big collapse. But this is a great start for Quinn if he's able to implement that right away. By the way, the anniversary of that was the, the day of the uh, press conference. You know that? Oh, the was 28th, it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we were seeing who's going to ask him about that. Did oh, they ask man. him anything at 3.28 p.m.? 3.28, I see what you did there. I see what you did. Uh, what I like about this, and you mentioned explosive too, it felt yeah. like this past year that even when the offense kind of got in somewhat rhythm, there were a lot. It, it it took a lot more plays that it should have for them to score. And anytime, whether you, and especially with a young quarterback, that I think that they should be drafting at you know number two. Right. Any, the more plays you have on a drive, that's more opportunities for there to be a mistake right. and for there to be a turnover. The quicker you score, you help yourself out by, if in today's day and age, if you have one of these long 10 to 12 play drives, there's more of a chance of you getting behind the chains. And all of a sudden you're facing a third and 12 or something along those lines and your guy's getting sacked. Whereas if you're able to move the ball quickly, who doesn't want to move the ball quickly though? Who doesn't want to be explosive? Right, and those... I hope that's the mindset that carries through training camp. And it's not just, uh, th- those aren't just, 
you know, polite words that you say at parties right now. Right. And the 10, 12 play drives, those are great for yeah. killing clock and all that. But those need to be few and far between because, I mean, it takes something out of your team, too. Yeah. <laughs> and you right. do leave yourself the chance to, you know, have turnovers and setbacks and, and the such. Uh, the other thing I really liked that he said is that unlike Rivera, he's not trying to, like, scale back expectations and make it sound like it's a five-year plan. Oh, yeah. Five-year – you don't have five years no. anymore. Rivera's out You don't need after five four. years. Yeah, and no. you shouldn't need five years. When Quinn was in Atlanta, they were in the Super Bowl year two, and that was a franchise that had only won ten games in the previous two seasons combined. Total, yeah before his arrival. So when asked about whether this is a rebuild, I love his answer. Your words, not mine. All right. So I'm, I'm really honestly glad that you, that you brought it up. And I know it's a big topic. And I would say this is a recalibrate, you know, finding our north again. And that starts, you know, with our identity of our club. So, no, I, you will not hear me say the word rebuild at all. Um, this is about assessing what we have, how do we add to that? And then how quickly we can accelerate this process together. Now, how do you do that? Connection, staff, off-season, into training camp, and then ultimately putting all these guys to find the best group to help us go play as well as we can, as fast as we can. So uh, there is no timeline on that, um, but we will push it hard uh, to see how good we can get and how fast we can get. But I see it much more as a recalibration to say, let's find our north own our identity of how we're going to get it on, and then push hard to reach that. And uh, like all things, it takes some trust, you know, between teammates, staff, personnel, ownership. But the more connection we have, the faster we'll get there. And uh, there's a lot to get done, but I honestly do not see um, that word as part of my thinking at all. Recalibrate. Yep. A different R word. Yep. Not revamp. No, not revamp. <laughs> not reboot. Look, but here's revamp the thing. You can like call a, that, it. That's a buzzword. <clears throat> yeah. Adam Peters mentioned rebuild also. So it's not like you can yeah, call it, it that, but let's be honest. It is a little bit of a rebuild. The, but the thing be, is rebuild doesn't have to be a curse word. It doesn't have to no, take you four or five years. Because look, you can do it in two to three. Agreed. And I mean, this roster could be, you could have half the guys gone this roster. Yeah. I mean, and it's not a totally bare cupboard either. So it can be done. Houston did it. You know, you hire a coach and you get a good offensive coordinator, a quarterback, and you're in the playoffs. So it can be done, but it is going to take, you know, this team's not going to the Super Bowl next year. So it is going to take a little bit to tear down a little bit and, and kind of get, yeah, well, well I, <laughs> and kind of, you know, figure out how you want to do things. So you don't have to call it a rebuild, but. It's in between. I think it's in between. I think it's okay for Adam Peters to call it a rebuild because he is rebuilding the roster. Right. But yeah, I yeah. think Dan Quinn is not in rebuild mode. He's in, we are going to win as many games as possible sure. with the material that I've been given by my general manager. And the general manager is is not going to kneecap the head coach and, vi and or vice versa like we have when we've seen the same guy be in both roles. Right. So, right. Again, until they prove us wrong, and there's plenty of opportunities to prove us wrong right. over the next three years. I have faith in this group. Uh, everybody appears to know what they're doing. Everyone appears to be smart and on the up and up. And until proven of, uh, otherwise, I feel this team's on the right track. We owe them the benefit of the doubt at this point because fans were, you know, crying and gnashing of teeth. Get Snyder out of here. Well, he's out. You have a new owner. 
You have the general manager who was by considered by many right. the cream of the crop, the best guy available. You got probably not the top choice for head coach, but it's a solid choice. And the fact of the matter is, and I said this in the column, with Quinn, you don't need him to be the best coach in the league. That would be gravy. You just need him to be solid. You need him to be in lockstep with the general manager, and you need him to develop whatever he's given. Again, this is not Rivera. Anybody who thinks that this is Rivera 2.0, I don't know how I can help you other than to say Rivera was bringing players from Carolina and and the wrong ones. He was bringing coaches (laughs) from Carolina and the wrong ones. And so, you know, that's not happening with Quinn because – He's not in control of the roster. Right, right. He's just coaching who he's got. And that was another thing he said at the press conference was, you know, we're going to take guys, we're going to see what they do well, and we're going to do those things. Yeah. Instead of what we saw. With, what a novel idea. Yeah, yeah. really. Oh. You, instead of <laughs> drafting a corner who excels at a zone and asking him to play man, you know, that's not going to be, at least based on what he said, that's not going to be what we see here. And you know what? It doesn't matter anymore who, what number higher, what number choice he was. It doesn't. He's matter. here. It doesn't matter. Rick Spielman. You listen to him. He told us yesterday that this was the guy, one of their main guys all along, which I believe they probably were in on him the entire time. I think the Ben Johnson thing sounded like it threw them for a loop, but I don't know if they were completely sold on them anyway. He was. He had a good, they were going to talk to him in person for the first time. Who knows? They right. weren't planning on hiring him. They were planning on speaking with yeah. him. Correct. And I think I think what threw him for a loop is that. He had made the commitment to do the interview not to get hired and to completely take himself out of the running while they were in the air. That's kind of a surprise. Yeah, and right. there are those who have said, you know what, you make an appointment for the meeting, even if you're not going to take the job, you still take the meeting. You still take the interview, even if you're not in the business world, you know, sales guy. And if you're not, even if the sale is not there, you still take the meeting out of common courtesy. So, Correct. you know, yeah. we move, but that's spilt milk under the bridge, and as the, we like to say. And the, the he said he said stuff that came out of yeah. that man. Yeah. Uh, it's it smacks of the old regime, and I'm I'm just kind of sitting back and just kind of taking it in. But I'm not ready to say that you know there's some toxicity coming out of this new regime. But that's not a good look. The whole you know back and forth with this guy, and he didn't have to say like, and, and he didn't say it publicly, but just from his camp, the reports are that yeah. you know it's like oh they're basketball guys and. They're not uh, referencing the ownership group that acted like they know football real great. It's like that's not a – I mean, you stood them up yeah. Yeah. at the altar. Right. So yeah, it's like um... – so it's it's a bad look all around. But moving off that, the Kingsbury factor. Uh-huh. So Cliff The Kings, fact that he spells his first name with a K. I mean, it's – Is that okay? It's almost like a character from, dare I say, Take a Shot, where <laughs> you just spell your name with Ks – uh, just for the effect. But um, Cliff Kingsbury, look, uh, a, a lot of people just immediately are, hey, he coached Caleb Williams at USC. And Caleb Williams uh, liked his post and congratulated him on coming to Washington. And you're drawing dots. And ESPN is borderline leading with the possibility of Caleb Williams to Washington. I mean, it's a sexy storyline. It's one that we're certainly about to take advantage of right now. But how realistic do we think it is that Washington moves up a spot to get Caleb Williams home to D.C. George Wallace? Possibly, but I don't see. If you were to say right now what's better chance of them doing, staying at two or going to one, I'd say staying at two. Look, for me, and I, I have would have to do more looking at 
Kingsbury and his yeah. you know body of work, but I'll mention be, that in a minute. Doesn't have to be Caleb Williams. I mean, it could be any of those three guys I put him in to, to work with. I mean, I don't it's great. Everybody would if you're familiar with somebody, that'd be great that you've worked with, but I don't think it necessarily has to be that. I'm not giving up a ton to move up. Agreed. That's just me. I don't think I don't think yeah. there's that much separation between the top three. Yeah, I, like yeah. if you had, for instance, we're gonna go in the Wayback Machine. John Elway, <laughs> Todd Blackledge, and Ken O'Brien were your three guys. Where there's yeah. such a difference between one and two and three, yeah, right. you make that move, or you at least contemplate making that move. I don't think if there's one thing that we learned from the previous regimes that have been in Ashburn, they threw away draft picks. To move up when they didn't necessarily need to, correct, and they wasted what, like picks. a long snapper, perhaps <laughs> yes. Uh, and so long you, snapper who didn't even get through his rookie. Contract. Let's try to get let's try to get quality from quantity. Yeah, and they have what is it? Is it five or six picks in the top one ten? They uh, they, they have they have, they have five picks in the top one hundred ten, which is where your prime po- prospects are from. So why give away a draft pick? For a quarterback who's just a little bit better, and that draft pick could have gone for an offensive lineman, or for a tight end, or for a linebacker, some another building block on this team. You know, Caleb Williams can be a great player, but if he doesn't have an offensive line keeping him standing up, he's just as yeah. good or as bad as you know anyone else that you could put back there. And obviously, this is draft talk that will ramp up as we get closer to the draft. But the difference between Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels and Drake May, we have to parse out what the difference is. If there's a big gap in between any of these guys, then maybe it does behoove you to trade up to get Caleb Williams. But the question – I have questions about Caleb Williams. Mm -hmm. Attitude. Yeah, like what's his mental makeup? We know what his physical is. Yeah. But what's his mental makeup? And maybe this is me smarting from the Chase Young pick yeah. backfiring, but how would he respond to playing at home? Not yeah. everybody's motivated. I mean, Joe Burrow is an Ohio kid who plays for his hometown team, and it hasn't affected it's him at all. working out all right, yeah. But we have to parse out whether Caleb Williams is able to do that. And right. furthermore, the thing with Cliff Kingsbury – I went back and looked at his offenses. Um, so you can't dispute he had prolific offenses in college. Okay? Right. Like his Houston team averaged 50 points a game and almost 600 yards. That I believe those are still records. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong on that, uh, Dave. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's – a lot of people have said that, hey, you know what? He couldn't. Win. He didn't. He had a losing record, I think, at Texas as Tech a, as with a head Mahomes. Coach. Yes, yes. As, as a head coach, it's like he's. He's not coming in here to be the head coach. Correct. He's coming right. in here to coordinate the offense yeah. and yeah. to be a quarterback whisperer. And you you mentioned, oh, he, there's talk, oh, Caleb Williams is going to want to play with him. He spent one season with with Caleb Williams. You know, who's and it was considered his down year. Yeah, <laughs> and we're not we're, we're not saying that just because he coached Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's not holding out in Arizona to come to Washington to play for him. Right. Patrick Mahomes is not saying, I'm not going to play until I'm traded from Kansas City to Washington because I need that's fine. You know, I would Cliff like that. Kingsbury. That's fine. That's I would not like that going to happen. The other thing with <laughs> Kingsbury, too, you know, and I, uh, you, you worry about getting an offensive coordinator like that and then jumping ship after a year, but it's going to take him a couple, two, three years to get back, I think, to, oh, to, yeah. if he's going to be a head coach again. If. Uh, my point is, I don't think he's going to jump after a year if they have a good year. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. Please do. He's a handsome white dude who has proximity to Sean McVay. That, stubble. That He's right got there stubble. lands him a head coaching job. Yeah. 
So the thing about Kingsbury is this. He had a hand-picked franchise quarterback in Kyler Murray in Arizona. And again, this was head coach. He wasn't the coordinator. Fine. But they placed in the top 10 in yardage only twice in four years. They never cracked the top 10 in scoring. The best they did was 11th in 2021. So there were up for, there, there were moments where they looked good. I think he played against or he coached against uh, Quinn twice while both were head coaches. And, uh, and uh, Kingsbury won them both. Mm. And, uh, Did and Kingsbury put, get him fired? Was yeah, it, uh, I mean, 2012? He, Gosh, he, he might have contributed Awkward. to it. Uh, and he mentioned that at the press conference. Yeah. He was like, "You go up against guys and you develop a respect." And I think he kicked his butt twice. And he was like, "Man, I would love to get this guy on my side." I but, throw um, I, I throw those top ten things with a caveat because that first year you're really building and you're you know, yeah, you're sure. getting your sea legs, sure. and then the last year where you get fired. Odds are you're not you're producing not. at a high level, so right. there was a bit of a sweet spot. They were ten and two at one point yeah. before going belly up that uh, season. I think they lost on Monday night in the wild card round to Tampa Bay, uh, or no, they, no, no, his, no, he, the Rams. I think he only had like one that. playoff yeah. appearance. So he had one, so he had one playoff appearance it. that yeah, and I think it was the Rams. Yeah, yeah, but they were something. Their first ten and two start, I think, ever. The Cardinal franchise, uh, who have had. Plenty of seasons that the bad seasons that the you know Burgundy and Gold have had over the years. Cardinal fans would leap at some of those years, <laughs> right? But, you know what's funny about he said about you hire somebody that you can't beat. Yeah, I mean you couldn't. Nobody could beat EB either. And let's talk about him just briefly yeah. with EB. He didn't deserve this. Eric Bieniemy didn't deserve no. to find he took out a chance that on somebody himself. else. And the fact of the matter is. The offense was only moderately and slightly better than it was under Scott Turner the year before. Mm -hmm. So that didn't play out. Uh, the pass-heavy attack, he was unapologetic about it, even though the personnel screams that you need to run the ball more. And so he had his faults, but he didn't deserve to see on the ESPN ticker that right. – Washington had hired an offensive coordinator and I hope and that they I don't want to beat up him. on this new yeah. regime, but that's twice now they've hired a guy to a position where they already have a guy that they have not fired. I would have liked to have seen them let him go early in the process because remember, whoever you think the top three candidates were for this job, they weren't likely to hire Eric Bieniemy as their offensive coordinator. Right. They would have had their own guy. So I would have liked them to earlier in the process say, you know what, it's not looking like you're going to be here. And I know there's con contractual stuff, but it's looking like you're not going to be here. We just want to give you an opportunity to seek other employment, and we could revisit this if circumstances change. We could revisit this i hope they'd had those discussions behind the curtains of course we you know we're not privy to like a lot to of that i'm hoping that said. that is what they did and it, it's unfortunate that things did not work out for eric b here he was a great interview we loved him to hear him talk about chopping wood and getting on the right track <laughs> and i got two ears and one mouth and i'm here to listen i'm all ears and the uh, giggles in between comments. Oh. He's just like, sounds like somebody's uncle. <laughs> What's unfortunate is the fact that for the quantity of passing that he brought to this team this past year, the quality was not there. You had guys like, uh, you know, Curtis Samuel, who was not maximized. Jahan Dotson disappeared. Uh, you can make the case that Terry McLaurin, despite having a 1,000 yard receiving season, had, it was not maximized. And. When you've got those three guys who each had 
if you get under Scott Turner, I, I thought each had at least one breakout game the previous season for them, for nobody to really, yeah. you know, have a, you know, have a, a two or three week stretch where you're like, wow, this offense is really popping with those guys. That's disappointing. Again, there's a lot of things that went into play. A bad offensive line really hamstrings what you can do. And but I I wish the best for Eric Bieniemy, and uh, hopefully he lands on his feet somewhere else. And this is a bend in the road and not the end of the road for him. It's gonna be interesting because I don't know how many spots are open. Maybe one, two, if that now. OC jobs, maybe not even that. I don't know. Top but head, I don't think so. the other thing is he could go back to Andy Reid's staff if he wanted to. I would bet. Also, to your point about letting him go somewhere else. I get that, but also at the same time, let's say they had done that when he got here and they couldn't work out anything for an OC. Then they were totally screwed. Yeah. Only because he's still technically in the building and working in a right. contract. That's the right. only thing. Do you think that Quinn would have kept him if yeah. Quinn, uh, if Kingsbury stays course and goes to the Raiders, which parenthetically Magic Johnson was the one who talked about him in according awesome. to Basketball Ian, guys, right? though. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Basketball guys aren't all bad in football. But if Kingsbury goes to the Raiders, then is EB the choice? I, he might be over Chip Kelly. Oh, please over Chip Kelly. So, <laughs> but, but, but Chip I don't, and, it, and again, I had said, too, I don't I mean, probably right here on this very highly rated program. I don't <laughs> know if I don't think he was as bad as it is made out that it was. And it was bad. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I don't think he is as bad as that. And I think we all can agree on that. Yeah. I thought he was an upgrade over Scott Turner. Oh, I agree. With that. Although he didn't, he, was. he he wasn't enough of an upgrade that yeah. saved everybody's that, jobs. That, the numbers don't necessarily right, right. speak to. But that. But to see him with a a roster or with an offensive line, maybe just just to see what he would have done. Right. I don't think that would have been the worst. I mean, I have a bad feeling about this, guys, because this reminds me a little bit of Russ Grimm who, of course, played for yeah. the Burgundy and Gold back right. in the day. Yeah. For those who remember or don't remember, he was a Shame finalist. On you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, he was a finalist for the Steelers' job yeah. before Mike Tomlin got it. And Which Mike Tomlin was, was that long ago. Yeah, yeah, 2007. Yeah. So um, he was a finalist for that job, uh, he and Ken Wisenhunt. And so when the job went to Tomlin, Wisenhunt goes to Arizona – Wisenhunt brings Russ Grimm with him. He was a part of that uh, team that went to the Super Bowl. Right. And I believe he had maybe one more landing spot before he just unceremoniously and just off the radar just dropped out of the league. Now, there's, you know, some off-the-record talk that something happened in his personal life that led to that. I don't know, and I don't begin to speculate on what that might be, but – with um, Russ Grimm, like, he was just gone one yeah. day. And I fear that for Eric Bieniemy mm -hmm. because he was with Andy Reid with a Super Bowl team. He tries to strike out on his own. He strikes out. And I don't really see where in the league there's a landing spot for him unless he sits out a year and maybe somebody gives him a shot in yeah. 2025. Which is very possible. It's possible. I like he didn't forget how to coach. But he's – He's in his 50s, yeah. and people are in this league. Yeah. Again, you need to look like uh, Cliff Kingsbury for you to get an offensive coordinator gig. I think Biennemi would get one, obviously, like a left witch. Um, He's a little older. Because, again, though, it's like he's – it's again, it's it's a – you came here, and 
you can say what you want. Should he have come here and not come here? But you came here with you a, a your coaching staff on this way out the door, barring a miracle run in the playoffs. New ownership coming in. I mean, you knew a whole situation was going to change. Right. You don't think he had a choice, you said? I don't think he had a choice because they gave him the assistant head coach Which role, is true, yeah. And it's not far-fetched to think that if things went south, mm-hmm. that he would have yeah. gotten the opportunity. And I think that was part of why Ron did it, too, knowing what Ron's situation was going to be. Right. Right. Well, Eric Bieniemy, by all accounts, a good dude who yeah. didn't deserve um, to go out the way he did. And with uh, that, his former team's in I'm the Super Bowl. I'm all ears. How about that? <laughs> Chiefs. His uh, former team's in the Super Bowl um, after the Baltimore Ravens basically handed him that game. Uh, the top storyline out of Super Bowl 58. Uh, we already had Media Day, uh, which I don't, I'm, I don't like Media Day. I mean, people well, it's ask media. Stupid, it's opening night now. It's uh, not even the same. Night, no. Whatever. It's like it's just it's fluff. It's the fluff. Fact, and these two teams were just here. Yeah. yeah. So what else are you going to squeeze? The fact that the NFL is playing a game in Brazil is nuts. It's a yeah. twelve-hour flight, basically. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's it. Commanders could what, be in play for that. It's Philly, what but time? I don't think they'll put Quinn's first game in, in Sao Paulo. No, first of all, I like how you hit that with the little Thanks. accent. Thanks, bro. That was good. My Duolingo streak, by the way, seven hundred twenty days and counting. Is that right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm learning That's, Spanish, baby. Oh, good man. Good to hear. That you know, it's do they speak Portuguese in Brazil? I know that. Okay, but uh, but I'm just I'm I. It's. <laughs> It's another. I mean, the the NFL is going global, and I wrote a piece uh, last fall. You know, you know, projecting that eventually we're going to have multiple teams in Europe. Uh, we're going to have multiple teams not in the United States. Twenty game seasons. This, that, the other thing. But Sao Paulo is just. It's on the other side of the equator. Yeah, is where they're playing, and it's a longer flight than if you were to fly to London, I believe. Yeah. Uh, from and that's from the East Coast. Who knows where. What the, what which team is going to face Philadelphia? But uh, maybe in this, this game. is the advantage of doing it at the beginning of the season instead of in the middle. Instead of middle, of the oh, season. middle of the season, it's absolutely not disruptive. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's something you can only do in August yeah. during the preseason. I'm surprised they didn't do a preseason trial balloon. That they right. that usually that's what they've done in the past, whether it's right. been London or Mexico City or wherever you do. Hey, we're going to do a preseason game and test things out mm-hmm. because we've seen even at, even for regular season games after doing the preseason trials where the field is awful or this or that or the other thing. Mm-hmm. So it'll I, I'll be curious to see how things hold up down there. OK, how about the game? How they hold up down there? You know, how about the <laughs> well, well, the World Cup was an absolute disaster down true. there. Yeah, that's the true. Olympics was a disaster. This is going to be better. Yeah, you hope. But this is one game. That's yeah. not a two-week event. Yeah. yeah, it's um, story is the quarterback matchup. Uh, Patrick Mahomes with a chance to cement uh, himself with three Super Bowl titles. Yeah. Um, you know, Brock Purdy with the chance to be you know to continue, even though uh, Kurt Warner uh, was undrafted. The, that would he Brock Purdy would be the lowest drafted, drafted player. player. Although I think Bart Starr was like 17th round, but that was like that's yeah. in the way back machine. Um, you know, you, you know, ages ago. And you that's... can't do better than you were the last. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. He will he will have that distinction. Right. I think also there's the uh, you know Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. If they win, it will be a, a day of redemption for Kyle because of the. Uh, loss to the Patriots when he coordinated the offense, even though that's not all on him. It's still he is a co-conspirator in the yeah. Falcons' fade. Yeah. And then they were up 10 
against mm-hmm. the Chiefs a few, uh, what, in the previous Four years ago, yeah. Yeah, and I remember seeing the guys preening in the end zone when they were up 20-10. to 10. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I just don't like that look. Yeah. And then the Chiefs went on a heater. So it's I think those are the things that are them in play as well as a certain singer. How about you, George? I like all that. Even the singer? No. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's Mahomes, man. I mean, he, he's – Okay, he hadn't won a playoff road game, legit road game. Then he goes to Buffalo, wins that. Then goes to Baltimore and wins that. Mm-hmm. So the dude is just keeps climbing the ladder as far as I'm concerned. And you get this one, then he's up there. And you guys agree with me in this. He's the closest thing football has had to a Michael Jordan. Whereas you go into a season and it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to be there at the end. And damn it, if they're not always there at the end. Like, when I watched right. the NBA in the 90s, yeah. it was Michael Jordan going to win this chip. <clears throat> and he would go out every year and do it. Yeah. And there would be some varying degrees of drama, but he never saw a game seven. Mm-mm. He That's a remarkable so, stat. That is way. a remarkable stat. And so you look at who he beat. It's like he left yeah. uh, Patrick Ewing ringless. He left Charles Barkley ringless. Barkley, yeah. He had uh, uh, Stockton and Malone had two cracks right. at him in the finals. Couldn't even force a game seven. Clyde. So yeah, Clyde Drexler, <laughs> uh, Clyde would get a ring with Houston. But not, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but still like it was a foregone conclusion. He did it anyway. And with Mahomes, it's like, there's been a couple of instances where people have bet against him. Right. Like I didn't think he was going to be back this year, but I did. I had a Super Bowl rematch, actually, didn't I? I believe I did. Eagles, Chiefs. I that had. Was uh, I that had, was just lazy of you. I no, had Philly, Pittsburgh. I, I think I had Eagles, 49ers, and then Chiefs. How many times Chiefs. in history has that happened? You had the you had the Bills and and Cowboys go back to back. That's the. Okay. I believe that's the only back to back. I think that's that the only back. Yeah. So why is it lazy then? I thought it was a good chance of happening. Happens. Well, so like I thought it was a chance. Why are you getting all pissed off? I'm just saying this was August. I had Philly, Pittsburgh. See. You had Philly Pittsburgh. Philly Pittsburgh. You just said yeah. you knew wow. the Chiefs were going to be there, so you had half of it. No, I said I knew I picked 49ers to be there. Oh, the Niners. Yeah, okay. I thought the Ravens were going to beat the 49ers. Oh, right. It's a I similar. I was feeling good about right. that until right. the actual until AFC last Championship week. Right. game. Right now, there's a similar run to the to what Tom Brady had from yeah. 2011 to 2018, where he was in eight straight. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, six straight title. Yeah, I mean, it's, which is just and they're going to win, by the way. I'm picking them to win. I'm not betting yeah. against these guys. Nope. Uh, the 49ers. Either. Like I said in the AFC Championship game, the dudes, that they know how to do it. They've been there. Yes, the Ravens were at home, but that's so much hype. You never know what could happen. But the fact that they shut them out in the second half and yeah. still didn't win is a travesty, number one. Mm-hmm. But Mahomes, they're champs until they're not. And I, I've got them winning again. Does this feel like the last gasp for that crew? Because they've, you know, the way that they've, had to scrape this their year way was a little through. Struggle, yeah. This feels in a way like, and you bring up Michael yeah. Jordan, this feels like the 93 Bulls. So, mm-hmm. that yeah. They were not the best team in the regular season. They didn't have home court against the Suns in the finals, nor against the Knicks. And I think right. they were down two games to none right. against the Knicks to start right. that series. They were. So they were. even though I have, I'm confident that the Chiefs can retool in some way, shape, or form with uh, Travis Kelsey getting a little bit older, even though he's only in his – what, 33 or 34, he's old for a tight end, old for a football player. Yeah, yeah. This might be the last gasp for that Chiefs nucleus. As we know it, granted, Mahomes is young enough that they can reboot and retool. This yeah. might feel like the Patriots of 04, 05, 06, where that first crew was getting old and then 
Granted, they had a, a second run under Brady and uh, Belichick. That would depend upon Andy Reid because Andy Reid is – I don't have it in front of me, but I believe he's in his late 60s. So that would depend on him being around yeah. for a while or at least having a succession plan. But looking that, at the roster, looking at how this roster no, is getting older too, it feels like, yeah. oh, this the, this group might crest – it feels like and to bring back like the last uh, Washington uh, football team that won a Super Bowl, where you saw that a lot of guys, Jacoby uh, Grimm, a lot of those guys were getting old, and you're like, ooh, Mar- Art Monk was old in 1991. Yeah. The Cowboys' last run to the Super Bowl, where even though they were young, you yeah. saw some things spinning off. The right. Steelers' last Super Bowl run, every dynasty, that last Super Bowl run, you almost see it. You right. almost, it, it, you almost like. Gosh, everybody on the Packers is either bald or has gray hair. <laughs> I don't know if Bart Starr is going to be 100% next year. Uh, Andy Reid is 66 in uh, March. Okay. So um, it would depend on I think he's how got, long I he think wants he's, to coach. I think he's got five good years. I think he's got five years I left. I think that's fair. And because there's, there, there were some slight rumblings that he would walk away after this season if they win the Super Bowl, and I don't think that's true. I think I don't would, either, but I you think never you know. I think you would suss that out yeah. before, uh, long before now. Um, let's give scores on that. I think that uh, this is a legacy game for Patrick Mahomes. I think mm-hmm. if he wins this, it's three Super Bowls in, what is it, five years? Five. And yeah. so I, I think he starts to – he's on a trajectory for being the greatest player we've ever seen. And I know that Tom Brady has more rings and has every passing record, but there's a difference between being the most talented player we've ever seen, the best pure passer we've ever seen, the best athlete we've ever seen, and the most accomplished quarterback we've ever seen. Tom Brady is unequivocally the most accomplished quarterback we've ever Agreed. seen. Agreed. Agreed. Right. I think if you made a quarterback in a laboratory, I think Patrick Mahomes is what you would get out of that. And I think that, again, and we're extrapolating, and that's dangerous to do. He could, you know, knock on wood, he could have an injury and all of this is over, but he would still be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, Gail Sayers is in the Hall of Fame based on a six-year career. And so I think Mahomes lays claim to being in that greatest of all time conversation because prior to this era – the, you could make a case that the best quarterback, just purely based on passing ability and all that, was Dan Marino, but he has zero rings. Mm. So I think Mahomes launches himself and vaults himself into a conversation in the stratosphere of like the rarefied era players in NFL history if they get this win. Helps himself cement himself as he's in that he's in that uh, exclusive room, so to yes. speak. That it's like, hey, Mister Unitas, Mister Montana, right. you know, uh, getting bottle you know, service exactly. So I think, <laughs> and, he, and he's and he's already the best quarterback of his generation at this point yeah. in time. Yeah. Uh, do you have a score? I have a score: 27-24 Chiefs. Uh, Mahomes is MVP. Just to further this conversation. All right. That's funny. I said 27-21. Well, I didn't say it yet. I was going to say 27-21. <laughs> I just think it's a touchdown late. You know, yeah, it's yeah. two and a half. You could win by three, but I got 27-21. With Mahomes as the MVP. Three touchdowns. 22-18. to 18. Two touchdowns. I don't know oh, if yeah. that's scorigami, but... Uh, it would be for the Super Bowl. Yeah, it would be, yeah. 22-18 to 18 22 Chiefs. 18 Chiefs. I see... Uh, I, I just think that Mahomes is too good. Uh, the uh, Also, the Kansas City defense yeah. is, is has played above their level and and i think that eventually something comes undone 
for uh, Purdy, although I think McCaffrey scores probably two touchdowns. And McCaffrey could very well be, if, if they are able to use him like we've seen Kyle Shanahan use him, McCaffrey could become the second player from a losing team to win Super Bowl MVP. Mm-hmm. If he if he balls out huh. and somehow scores two or three touchdowns and they still wind up losing. I don't know if they do that. He's got a shot. Though. He's got yeah. a shot, I think. And the thing real quick, the Niners D is really good, but they have not been playing well lately. If they get they were able to come back against the Packers and the Lions, I just don't know if that happens. Yeah. With the Chiefs. Yeah, not against that team. Right. Well, you guys are going to do fun stuff on your weekend, and so is Dave Preston. He's going to do it at uh, the basketball courts this I, weekend. I get to see the number one team in the nation on the men's side this Saturday. UConn taking on Georgetown. Should be fun. <laughs> no, uh, no, I think you know Georgetown should this be is, fun for UConn. This, this was a uh, this was a, a major rebuilding job for Ed Cooley. Uh, with the Hoyas, didn't take a lot of high-level transfers. He's trying to build this roster from the ground up. There's going to be some growing pains. Uh, I think entering league play, we thought that they were in the bottom two or three, and the problem is, is that he's like the planet that's closer to Pluto than than Neptune right now. <laughs> and so there, there's this, this is a, this is a year where they're they're taking a lot of their lumps, but they played very well at UConn earlier this season. So it's one of those things that on the court anything can happen. Uh, the team that I've got my eye on, two teams I have my eye on with local ties to the area, Virginia is on an absolute heater. They've won seven straight. They allowed 38 points uh, the other night to Miami. Was, I, saw that. That I thought like the SATs, you got 40, like just rolling the balls out. You <laughs> sign your name, you get uh, you know 200 or 400 on the SATs or what have you. They look really good, and Virginia does not play – uh, UNC or Duke until February 24th. They only uh, played the Blue Devils once. They only played the Tar Heels once. So they could wind up getting a very advantageous <clears throat> seating yeah. and record above their abilities. And Reese Beekman's been an absolute you know, joy to watch over the years playing for them. The other one I'd like to highlight, American, under first-year coach Dwayne Simpkins, 7-3 and three, uh, since 7-3 uh, and three start to uh, Patriot League play. Uh, they look really good. They got this kid, Matt Rogers, who has really developed into kind of a stretch for taking a, a bunch of threes, but he, I think he's fourth in the, uh, in the Patriot league in scoring and rebounding. And he's up there in uh, second in shooting overall. So in a single bid league where a bad night means you're done, AU still might be the best team inside the beltway as far as a chance to get to the NCAA tournament this season, yeah. which would yeah. be something. Was the last time you heard that? Not since they took that big lead over Wisconsin. Yeah. Dan Lang went nuts. <laughs> Another Lang reference. Another one. He keeps like, AU is on an on is a runaway train. He keeps trying to give his boy some props. All right, this All right. was another fun episode of another the DC one. Sports. Man, we're, oh, we're on a roll, guys. Uh, Rob Woodfork alongside George Wallace and Dave Preston. We are breaking the huddle.